The purpose of coming here tonight, your purpose may be different, but let me say it this way. Uh, the purpose why uh, we have this service every Thursday night. You listen to me? Please listen to me because um, I don't want you coming for the wrong reason, right? Like Moose's Tooth would be frustrated if you came to eat burgers. I'd be frustrated if you went to Moose's Tooth to eat burgers. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Go to In-N-Out down in Cali. But, uh, but the purpose of us gathering here tonight you ready? The purpose is that we would love Jesus and that we would love one another. Now, the truth is we can do that anytime. So why do we hold a service like this? And why do we have a guy stand up there with a mic and open up the scriptures and preach to us? Well, I'll tell you the reason why I do it. I do it because first it's taught through example throughout all of history by the early church. And it's taught throughout, through example through the book of Acts. And it's taught to us by the uh, the people who started the early churches uh, in the beginning of uh, the first century. It's taught for us to do that very thing. But I also do it to teach you how to love Jesus Christ and to teach you how to love one another. Listen to me. The purpose of us here tonight and the purpose of me speaking tonight is to remind you about, every, to remind you about the reality that everything is about Jesus Christ. My heart tonight is not to stand up here and entertain you for 30 or 45 or an hour long. My heart tonight is to point you to Jesus. And so as you sit here tonight, no matter how old or how young or what gender you are, hear my heart. My heart is that you would learn more about who Jesus is, that you would learn how to love him more perfectly. Sound good? We're here tonight, more than anything, to worship and to honor and to give glory to that whom glory is due and honor due, and that's Jesus. And so I'm choosing to worship him in this action by choosing to love you, by teaching you about Jesus. John 14, you there? John 14. I'm going to read John 14, verse 6. John 14, verse 6. I read it in the beginning of this uh, service tonight. I'm going to read it again. But I first want to start in, uh, oh man, verse 5. John 14, verse 5. Uh, no, this is uh, Thomas. No, we don't, Lord. Uh, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? I'm, new, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus just got done telling them that uh, he is going somewhere and that they can't come yet, but one day they'll come. And then he goes, you know the way to where I am going. And then Thomas goes, we don't know where you're going. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? So Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work which you have seen me do. Verse 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask me for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Verse 15, if you love me, 
obey or keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Let's read verse 15 again. If you love me, obey my commandments. Jesus is not saying, you better make sure you obey my commandments. Jesus is saying, if you make the conscious decision on a daily and moment by moment, if you make the conscious decision on a daily basis, in a moment by moment basis, you will, say will. Don't say, say will. Come on, say will. Now say might, say might. Those are two different words, right? Come on, those are two different words, right? So when Jesus says, you will, He's making a statement. He's not asking a question. He's telling you that if you love him, you will keep his commandments, right? What Jesus is saying is this. If you choose to love him, you are in that very action keeping his commandments. You hear what I'm saying? What Jesus is saying, if you choose, I'm going to say it again, very simple. It's a very simple message. It's a very simple gospel. Christianity is very, very simple. Say simple. Come on, say simple. Because we as human beings and as Christians particularly have complicated that which is so simple. Jesus says, if you love me, say love Jesus. If you love Jesus, you will naturally keep his commandments. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, you want to keep my commandments? They're like, yeah. Just love me. He's not saying have good feelings and affection toward me. He's saying make a decision to love me. When we were worshiping tonight and choosing to praise Jesus and lift his name on high and exalt him, you know what we're doing? We were keeping his commandments because we are choosing to do what? We're choosing to love him. And then later in John 15, Jesus says again, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then he says two verses later, uh, John 15, uh, it's like 8 or 9 or probably 10 or 11. And he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Two verses later he says, this is my commandment. Say this. This. This is my commandment. That you love, say love, one another. So Jesus simplifies for us Genesis to Revelation of what your role, say role. I'm not talking about a role at Thanksgiving. I'm talking about R-O-L-E, your role, what your job, say job, J-O-B, not Job, job, say job. What your role is. Now, the good thing is that God's given us an easy job. It's a good job. He just says, would you just love me as I have loved you? He just wants us to make a conscious decision to love him and to love one another. That's the simplicity of the gospel. Doesn't that sound nice? It's very simple. So the purpose of us coming here tonight is what? To love Jesus and to love one another. And when you wake up in the morning, what is your goal and your purpose in life? Love Jesus and love one another. So tonight I'm reminding you of something that's very simple. You know why? You know what preaching and teaching is mainly for? Preaching and teaching is mainly to remind you that it is to give you more revelation. See, people are looking for a new revelation all the time. What's the deep sauce that this guy that this guy's cooking up for us? I need to learn I need to learn some deep sauce, man. It's, I'm waiting for some deep sauce. Oh, this guy ain't got no deep sauce. He's talking about the same old stuff, man. You know the the problem with most preachers in America is they always trying to find new things. Instead of just preaching Jesus. You know, the problem with humans is that we get caught up in too many, uh, on complicating Christianity instead of just calling it what it is. You're just supposed to love Jesus and, and love one. We, well, you, you got to do this and this. And you, know what, you know what Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he got really upset when people added things to Christianity. He got so upset he told them to cut their penises off. And you think I'm kidding, and you think I'm being crude, but I'm being very real. Paul got so ticked off when he showed up at churches because they were telling them to do all these other things. And Paul says, you know what? Tell those people that are telling you to do more things, tell them to, to, to mutilate themselves. He, he's being very serious. Tell them to, some church doesn't say, cut his penis off. 
Now, again, you, got, you may think I'm being crude, but I'm just being very real. It's in your Bible. I use that term right now for you to understand that God hates it when we complicate Christianity. He cannot stand when we add rules and laws to Christianity. He wants us to know the simplicity. When you wake up in the morning, it's not to become a better person. Did you hear what I said? It's not for you to be successful in the eyes of everybody else or to make more money. The purpose of your life is very simple. Again, it's to love God and to love one another. Getting ahead of myself. No, I'm not. John 14. What happened to my pages? They're just flipping all over the place. Jesus says, if you love me, you've kept my commandments. Isn't that amazing? See, we, we read this and go, if you love me, you better keep my stinking commandments. If you love me, you, you better keep my commandments. My goodness. <laughs> He's like, my dad says that to me sometimes. Okay, verse 16. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another. Say another. That word advocate is uh, somebody that comes alongside of. It's the same word that the Bible uses of a, of a wife coming alongside of the husband. It's, the, it's to be a comforter, to come alongside of, uh, to counsel, to care for, to support, uh, who will never leave you. Say never. Say never. You know, the Bible talks about in Psalm 51, David prays a prayer. He says, Lord, I pray that your spirit would never leave me. He didn't say, Lord, your spirit never leaves me, so I pray it comes back. He was reminding himself, if you read the context, Lord, I'm thankful that your spirit never leaves me. And even if Paul, or even if David meant something else, the truth of the new covenant, Jesus says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to send you a thing necessarily. I'm going to send you part of my being, and he's going to be with you, and he will never leave you. We have a promise as Christians that God has chosen to be with us and to never leave us and to stay with us. Jesus says, I will give you, I will ask the Father. So Jesus goes for the Father and says, they've chosen to believe in me. So I'm asking that you would give them the Holy Spirit. And he says, and that he will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. It does not say he is a presence. It does not say that he is a thing. It does not say that he is a good idea or a principle. It says that God will give the person the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? In other words, whether you feel like it or not, there is this truth that I'm trying to remind us about tonight, that if you have chosen to believe in Jesus, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, lives in you, and is among us right now. now the crazy thing is that God never did that before. But because he has washed your sin and has forgiven you, and like we were singing tonight, has pardoned you. He looked on him, Jesus, and he's pardoned your sin. And because God has done that, he has now sent his spirit to dwell in you that you would be his dwelling place. We talk about how we belong in the presence of God. Well, God sings songs to us and says, I belong in your presence. God has chosen to belong in us and among us. Isn't that amazing? But we tend to seek more a thing than we do a person. He says, the Holy Spirit, he will lead you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you. He's saying right now the Holy Spirit is with you. But later will be in you. Say in. Say in. Come on, say in. The difference of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The difference of the Old Testament and the New Testament is, is, is two words. You ready? Old Testament was all about on, and the New Testament is all about in. The Old Testament, God would come on or come among people. The New Testament says that God comes and dwells inside of people. The Old Testament says that God grabs you by the hand and tries, making, tries getting you to be a better person or tries getting you to love him and love others. The New Testament says God has cleansed your soul, climbed up on the inside of you, given you a desire and the ability to love him and love each other. Jesus says, 
He, right now, he's just, he's with you. He's among you. But one day, he's coming to be in you. And that's our promise. But today, again, remember, I'm, I'm, I'm reminding us tonight. I'm not teaching you something that's really old or something that's really cool or something that's really new. I'm teaching you something that's really simple. Just reminding you. He says, no! Say no. I will not abandon you as orphans. It's almost like he's going, it's almost like he read their minds. Are you going to leave us? No! I will not abandon you as an orphan. I will come to you, he said. Soon the world will no longer see me. Jesus speaking of his death, right? He says, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. He's saying one day you'll be with me forever. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. You hear his heart? Those who, he's saying those who love me, those who keep my commandments are those that love me. Very simple. We've complicated it. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them, and I will reveal, or I will manifest myself to each of them. <laughs> Jesus saying, those who choose to love me, I'm going to reveal myself to them. But those who are lazy and slothful and don't choose to love me, I won't be able to reveal myself to them. Because if they draw near to me, I will draw near to them. But if they don't draw near to me, I won't draw near to them. Were you saying I've got to earn something? No, no, no. You've already received everything. What's everything? I could give you a whole list of things, or I could just say, you've received Jesus, and he is everything. He's all that you need. You hear what I'm saying? He's all that you, he doesn't have all that you need. Jesus is all that you need. I say that because the truth is, we think we need so many other things. But the Bible tells us very simply that Jesus is all that we need. You want to pray with me? When we pray, I'm not trying to, um, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to, uh, to hope that maybe some way, somehow, that this prayer is going to some way arrive to God, and things might start happening. But I'm praying. I'm, I'm praying to God who is here with us right now. And I believe that when I ask him, he will give me exactly what he asks, what I ask for. Why? Because he said it. He said, if you ask me and you believe, I'll give you anything in my name. So let's pray. Come on, let's humble our hearts. Let's ask Jesus to show us himself and to strip from us everything that we hold on to. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you tonight for your love for us that is constant, that you've pursued us that you are entirely in love with us and that you really, really like us. You really, really like us. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, because the Word says you're here. Jesus said you're here and you will guide us and lead us into all truth. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, for that simple thing, that you do that which you have been sent to us to do, that you would lead us into all truth. And Jesus says that he is the truth, so I pray you'd lead us into Jesus. Reveal to us the perfect, beautiful, most awesome one, Jesus. And help us to set aside everything else that would entangle us or ensnare us from keeping our eyes on Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Title tonight's very simple. It's just called Jesus. You know, it's almost like every title of my message should just be called Jesus. And some say, Gary, but there's so many other things you've got to teach. You've got to talk about forgiveness. You've got to talk about you got to talk about mercy, and you got to talk about grace, and you got to talk about the end times. you got to talk about how to love one another. And those things are all important. Those things are all really important. But if I teach the simplicity of you pursuing and loving Jesus, Jesus teaches you all those things himself through his word. Now, look, I'm not saying that I won't ever teach about forgiveness and how to love each other and all those things. I will, and I'm going to. But I will always, by God's grace and by him reminding me, choose to remind you the simplicity that's all about you knowing and loving Jesus. It's really crazy. Awesome story here, John 14. Um, you got to understand the context. John 13, Jesus got done washing feet. You guys want to know the story? You want to know the context? Because we want to ask the question. When Jesus says in John 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. 
remember, follow me now. Remember, Jesus is trying to really, really hard use some, some human words to explain to his people who he was. Okay? And so, but he speaks these things in context. Say context. Context is really everything to understand the word. You can't really know what God is trying to say in the scripture unless you have studied out what the context is. So the context is very, very cool. Cool context. And it's actually very fitting for this phrase that Jesus says, and it helps me understand even more why Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life. John 13 rolls around. This is the last few, this is the last night before Jesus is betrayed into the hands of of those who ultimately kill Jesus. John 13 to John 21 is but a few days. But a, well, John 21 goes into a couple weeks later. But uh, John 13 to John 19 is like literally uh, a couple days of time, but it covers almost half of the entire book. And John 13, it starts where uh, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. You could read it. It's a great story. Jesus is uh, telling the disciples, how he wants them to love one another, and so he washes their feet. And then it goes on, and Jesus then says that one of you guys are going to betray me. That's not very good news. There's 12 of them with Jesus. They're looking at each other. Who is going to betray Jesus? And then, if you read the story in John 13, Jesus says, all right, your time's come. The one who you know who you are. Go ahead, do what you're going to do. The Bible says he gets up and leaves. The disciples think he's going to eat more food, but he's going to go tell the people that he's found where Jesus is, and they're going to come and find him in the garden and arrest him and hang him on a cross. Judas was the, was the person who was in the closest 12 of Jesus. And so he leaves, Then they're sitting there again, and Jesus says, guys, I'm going to die. Don't worry, I'm coming back. You know, stay strong. They're going, what the heck? Peter's like, no, 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 no. You're not dying. You're not dying, Lord. Don't, don't be talking like that. And if, and if you read what Peter says in John 13, 36, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. Why can't I come now, Lord, he asked. I'm ready to die for you. Peter's going, look, Lord, I don't, I don't like this idea of you leaving and dying and going away. I, I don't know where you're going. No, like, I'm dying for you. Jesus goes, die for me, Peter? I'll tell you what you're going to do, Peter. <laughs> Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even knew me. <laughs> Think about the context. Think about this book of John we've been reading. It started out, John 1, where all these people were following John the Baptist. And John the Baptist sees Jesus. He goes, there he is. I'm going to be a really good youth pastor. I'm just going to tell you, stop following me and follow that guy. He's the one. Go follow him. So they all start following him. And then John 2, right away, not very long later, Jesus is at a wedding. Remember that story? And he turns, takes ordinary things and makes them extraordinary, you know? And so we have this picture of Jesus turning water into wine. The disciples are like, dang, dude. In that same chapter, he clears out the temple and nobody does anything to him because everybody's like, this dude's like legit. And then in John chapter 4, he talks to this woman, and nobody ever talks to Samaritan women. And not only does he talk to her, but something happened so radically that she went down into her city, and the whole city came up and found Jesus, and they all believed in him. And then John 5 comes around, and Jesus walks through the pool of Bethesda, and he sees this lame guy, and he's been lame there for his entire life. And, and Jesus just speaks a word, and we're kind of staying at a distance, and he stands up, and the dude leaves with his mat. And then you kind of come to John 6, and there's thousands of people that are following Jesus because they're hearing of all the things that he's doing. And well, what does he do this time? Well, John 6, there's 5,000 men, which means there's probably 15,000 or more, give or take some thousand, uh, people that are gathering together to listen to Jesus and to hear him teach. And he takes five loaves of bread, which we talked about how it was uh, pretty much like five Twinkies. They're really small pieces of bread. And he takes uh, some seasoning, which was a couple fish, but it was really just to, to add to the taste of the dry bread. And he takes those five loaves of bread and those two fish, and he fed probably, arguably, 15,000 plus people. And the disciples are going, 
okay, this is crazy, dude. Like, what, how did this happen? And, and then you go on, and, and people are following him. And Jesus says, hey, take the boat and go out there, and, and I'll follow you out there later. And a huge storm comes, and Jesus is praying on the mountain. He walks down into the sea, and he walks onto the water, and he, and he finds him like, it's a ghost. And he's like, no, it's me. Chill, chill. And he walks over, he gets in the boat, and the moment he got in the boat, they arrived in the, in the moment, in the, in the moment, same moment, in the moment, like on our way to heaven, we're all on this journey trying to get to heaven, and the moment that Jesus returns, in the blink of an eye, we'll be in heaven. And the same picture happens, the moment Jesus steps into their boat, boom, they're at the beach. And if you study the passage, they're probably miles and miles away, about three miles away from actually getting to the beach, and in a moment, they arrived at the beach. And then you keep reading the story, and Jesus talks about he's, he's the bread of life. And then he talks to people from John 6 to John 7, all these Pharisees, and Jesus keeps putting them in their place. And nobody ever, for hundreds and hundreds of years, have ever put the Pharisees in their place because the Pharisees, they're the strong, mighty, awesome leaders and teachers, and they know everything about the Bible, but Jesus keeps stumping them. And we've, we've seen nobody like this. And then John 8 comes around, and Jesus hears that he'll, or forgives this woman, and she just got caught in the act of adultery, and everybody's going to kill her, and he silenced and shut up all the fools and all those who accused her, and he said that she's forgiven. And they're going, this guy not only... Not only can he heal people, but he's got, the, he's got the power to forgive people. And see, they're on this journey, and John 9 comes around, and there's this guy who's been born blind, and the whole culture, everybody knows about this guy who's been born blind, and John 9, the Bible says, Jesus spits on the ground, rubs, some, rubs it around, and makes mud, and wipes in his eyes, and the Bible says his eyes are open. John 10 comes around, and Jesus, he's a good shepherd, and again, he silences those who tried to kill him. They tried grabbing him and stoning him, but he flees away. Then John 11 comes around. We just talked about it last week. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. He'd been dead for four days, and okay, we've seen him heal the sick. We've seen him change water into wine. We've seen him walk on water. We've seen him fed 5,000 and forgive people's sins, but now he's raising people from the dead. Crazy. You hear the journey they're on? And you got to understand, to these guys, when Jesus said he was the Messiah, to the, to the Jews and their culture, they thought that he was going to be the president that would start this movement, say movement. He would start this movement that everybody would follow and go, oh my gosh, he's like the real deal. And those 12 disciples will, my goodness, they're like amazing. They're like the superstars. And I want to be like one of those 12 disciples because they're really close to this G. He's the Messiah and he's bringing this new kingdom order. And he's going to tear down Rome. He's going to tear down the Jewish temple. And he's going to build a new temple. And they're thinking, they're thinking all naturally. They're thinking, dude, we're going to be famous. I mean, this guy, he's turning water into wine. Uh, He's healing people that are sick. John, uh, I think it's John 3, he heals Peter's mother-in-law or something like that. He's healing people that are sick. He's healing people that have been paralyzed their whole life, blind their whole life. He's, he's raising people from the dead. <laughs> he's taking some, some Twinkies. And seasoning, because everybody puts seasoning on Twinkies. And he's feeding over 15,000 people. And the best part about it is when there were five plus thousand people around or so, he picked us 12. He picked us, and we're the closest ones to him. We're on his, his campaign. We're the ones running his campaign. He just wants us to tell everybody about him and, and vote in Jesus. Make sure you vote today. Jesus is the way. I mean, I'm telling you, there comes some of those cheesy lines because they think Jesus will be forever, and, and somehow we're just going to live forever. And dude, we're like the closest people to Justin Bieber. <laughs> Jessica Anderson loves Justin Bieber. You should ask. She's got, she's got his CDs and. I mean, Jesus. And then you read the John 13, and Jesus goes, hey, guys, just to let you know I'm, I'm leaving. And they're thinking, okay, we'll come with you, you know. Jesus goes, because he already knows what they're thinking. He goes, but guys, where I'm going, you, you can't come with me. Now, just imagine. Get the context. Imagine how you'd feel. If Justin Bieber, I'm sorry. Imagine how you'd feel if you were hanging out with 
somebody for three years and you realize they were God and that he really wanted you to be with them. And then all of a sudden he goes, I'm leaving. I mean, all of your hopes in a moment are just dashed. Thanks for the sound effect. That was awesome. Clarence, what was your name? Claudius, what was it? Curtis. Sorry. (laughs) He could be a Claudius. Curtis. Clarence. Oh, God, help me. Um, But in in a moment, I got you, Doc. Don't drink Coke. Don't drink Coke. It's, It's Pete Anks. He drank it. Just kidding. But in a moment, in a moment, you see what I'm, you see what I'm talking about? In a moment, all their hopes are dashed. They're just dashed. Say dashed. And so now we understand why Peter goes, every time I walk by the pages turn. Now we understand why Peter's, Peter goes, Lord, where are you going? You can't go with me now, Peter, but w- later you'll follow me. Why can't I come now, Lord? I'm already to die for you. Like, why can't I come with you? Like, haven't I proved to you that I'm going to give anything for you? He goes, don't let your hearts be troubled. Now when you read that, you understand what he's talking about. Hey, guys, don't be troubled. Don't be, don't be, don't be worried. Don't be anxious. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have not told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I could talk about that for a long time, but we don't have time to get into that. Awesome. Jesus prepared a room for us, and that's not awesome. I will come and get you. Say he will come and get me. He's going to come and get me. And so that you will always be with me where I am. Do you hear the word? Jesus saying, guys, don't worry. I'm going to go prepare a place. And one day I'm going to get you. I'm going to bring you. And you're going to be with me forever. And you're never going to be leaving me. Don't worry. Don't be troubled right now. I know you can be discouraged. I know it can be hard. But just believe in me. Trust me. I got this, guys. I got it. You hear the heart of Jesus. You know, he's just fired up. He goes, you know the way. Say the way to where I am going. No, we don't, Lord. We have no idea where you're going. How the heck are we going to know the way? So there's a context. The next verse, Jesus says, I am the way. But the context is this. The disciples think that the way is this awesome campaign. The disciples think that the way is that they're going to be really famous. The disciples think that the way is a very successful youth ministry. See, the disciples think that the plan that Jesus had for them was to be a very vibrant, and it would go across the entire earth, and that everybody would know about Peter, James, which it did eventually, but everybody would know about Peter, James, and John, and how they were the closest ones to Jesus, and the movement that they started, and everything that they decided would come into effect because they were the close ones to Jesus. They're completely missing everything. Jesus is talking about a kingdom that you cannot see. And he's talking about how he will be with us forever in, in eternity. And they're thinking that they're going to be famous. Do you hear the context? I mean, if you study the story, if you study what's going on, if you study the Semitic view, which is the view of those who were Roman, Jewish, and Greek people, if you study their entire culture, the Semitic culture, you will realize they're waiting for somebody to come and build a kingdom that everybody could be following and it would be perfect forever. And they're thinking... We got it. They thinking, listen, <clears throat> they're excited that Jesus is going to show them their purpose in life. They're thinking that Jesus is going to bring them to their destiny. Lord, I pray that one day you just show me my destiny. I mean, Thomas is saying, I don't know this destiny. Where, where are you going? Show me this destiny. Show me this purpose. Show me the meaning of my life. Where are you going? I, I want to go too. Can I go? I, w- I really want to go. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He goes, guys, I wasn't leading you somewhere necessarily. I came to tell you I am your purpose. Jesus goes, Guys, the purpose of this youth ministry is not to go somewhere amazing. It's to know the amazing one, Jesus. So you thought it was to go build this amazing thing, but I'm telling you, if there's anything amazing built, I build it. 
But the truth is, it's just all about you knowing me. Guys, guys, it's like, it's, I, I can almost see the heart of Jesus. It's almost like he sat down and he's sitting already. But he's like, guys, 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 listen, listen. I am the way and the truth. That's not where I'm taking you. That's not the way that I am the way. Where I'm taking you is to the Father, and I am the way to the Father. Your purpose in life is not to build a campaign and to follow some great king who rules the earth necessarily. Your purpose is to be with your Father. And you never could be with your Father because you're really bad, sinful people. I love you, but you just are. And so I came, and I am everything. I am, Jesus saying, I am everything. I'm not leading you to everything. I am everything that God intended for you. In other words, you are completely lacking. And I'm not going to lead you to a good appetizer and then a great dinner and then a nice dessert. In heaven, I am the appetizer. And I am the great dinner. And I am your dessert. You're starving and you're hungry. But I am, he says in John 6, the bread of life. He says here, guys, 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 don't miss it. Don't miss it. It's not where you're going. It's not this degree that you're trying to get. It's not this, this destiny that you really one day, you can't wait to accomplish what God has called you to accomplish. You know what it is that God wants you to accomplish? It's just eventually one day when your flesh dies, you'll be with him forever. You know why we lack intimacy with Jesus? It's because we found the way to be a something rather than a someone. You know, Christianity has become a movement rather than a person. Well, guys, we're going to start a movement. And we're going to start a movement that's going to shape the earth. We're going to be a history maker. And change all of history, because that's totally possible. <laughs> you can't change history, it's weird. I'm going to make it. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to accomplish my destiny. Jesus is your destiny. Hey, don't, don't be troubled if your hopes have been deferred. If what you hoped in, if what you hoped in, if, if what you were hoping in, becoming rich, marrying the particular person that you just thought you'd marry, not necessarily that individual person, but the particular type of person, living in the place that you thought you would live, getting that degree that you thought you really needed to get to become. Because I'll tell you, you, get that degree and you'll still look for something else. You know why? Because there's a devil who wants to put something, say something, wants to put something in the way of the someone. And the someone is Jesus. He is the way and he is the truth and he is the life. But we have allowed ourselves to compli complicate Christianity and humanity at large by looking for a thing to please our soul and to meet the demand of our heart. And our Father is saying, I have given to you Jesus and he is everything that I intend for you. Again, this is a really simple message. I hope that I always teach simple. I hope that tonight you leave going, it's really it's all about Jesus. And I hope that you grow in that understanding day by day by day that the purpose of your life, if I could say it in any other way, is to be with Jesus Christ. Don't try. On Thursday nights when you come here to worship, the purpose is not for something to happen. Hear me, please. Because if it is, you know what will happen when you leave? You'll realize that that thing that you wished would happen won't happen. And you will feel like Peter where are you going? God, Jesus, my hope has been deferred. I've grown sick. And that which I was hoping in has failed me. Jesus says, I will never fail you. If your hope is in me, if I am your way, your truth, your light, your expectation and your purpose, you will never fail. You will never be failed and you will never lose hope. You know why? Because Jesus doesn't fade like a shifting shadow. He is the substance of God. He is the person of God and he just so desperately wants you to know him. See, God has a plan for you. You know what the plan is? It's not to accomplish A, B, and C. It's to know J-E-S-U-S. I, I've been feeling convicted this week 
Convicted's a good thing. Just for terminology, let you know. There's condemnation, there's conviction. Conviction is that which you, where you know you're doing something wrong or you have a wrong motive. And God's trying to align you because of his love. Condemnation is that where you go, I'm a horrible, nothing, pitiful loser. And I might as well go to hell. That's condemnation. I was convicted this week and uh, thinking about my purpose in this youth ministry and what I think God has put me here for. And I have come to believe a lie. Say a lie. Say, Gabriel. Say, Gabriel. Don't believe the lie. You need to preach at me sometime, I'm telling you. Came to believe a lie that the purpose was to build a big movement. I came to a place where I thought the purpose was to do something big. Say big. Instead of something simple. Say simple. And you know what the simple thing is? Just to be with the way, the truth, and the life. Not to look for the way, the truth, and the life. But to be with the way, the truth, and the life. You know, tonight, I'm really excited for all those who came tonight. I mean that because I believe that some way, somehow, God has led you here. And some, in some beautiful yet simple way, we are God's people And in some beautiful and wonderful yet mysterious way, we're supposed to love the hell out of each other. And I use that word intentionally. When I say hell, I mean you love each other so much that the hell that is in you comes out. You love the hell out of each other. You know, the problem with us as Christians when we see something wrong with somebody, we try to correct the hell out of them instead of love the hell out of them. We try to fix the hell out of them instead of love the hell out of them. And our calling by God is to love each other and just love each other and just don't stop loving each other and listening to each other and encouraging each other. Encouragement does not mean fix each other. Oh, I'm just encouraging him. No, you're not. You're trying to fix him. Listen to him and know him and pray for him. That's loving him. Jesus fixes. You don't fix, you know. Where was I sitting? I was sitting here been realizing the purpose is very simple. Just love each other. Look around the room real quick. In your mind, I didn't know that person was here. Exactly. <laughs> wow, who is that? Stop it. <laughs> She's cute. Stop. Where are you going? <laughs> I, I ask you to look around the room because I'm encouraging you to love each other. But I have a destiny. You know what your destiny is? Love God and love each other. That's your destiny. If you keep hoping in something else, it's not God that's letting you down. It's your hope that's letting you down. You hear what I'm saying? If you feel like your hope has gone sick, if you feel like being in this youth ministry some way, somehow, you're just like, man, I'm kind of tired of going there because every time I go there, I just get let down. You know why you're getting let down? Because your purpose is in the wrong place. Your purpose is in the wrong place. You're trying to create something. We're trying to create something or make something happen when something has already happened. You know what it was? Jesus came to earth in the form of a human being, and he did everything that you and I could never do, which was he met every single one of God's commandments, and he did it perfectly with a perfect motive. And then he got up on a cross completely naked, naked. And all of the sin of the world, all of your sin and my sin, past, present, and future, was put on Jesus. All of the penalty and the shame was put on him. He died. Three days later, later, he rose again like he promised. And he revealed himself to over 500 people. And then after 40 days, he went back into heaven. And then 10 days later, he gave the Holy Spirit to those who prayed for him at at Pentecost. 50 days after his resurrection, Holy Spirit came like Jesus said he would come. The thing has already happened. Stop trying to make something happen. Jesus said on the cross, hey guys, it's finished. Just wanted you to know you can't accomplish nothing. I've already accomplished it. I just want you to know me. 
because I've accomplished all this so that you would know me. The whole reason why Jesus came was to cover our sin and to make a way for him to know you. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's the purpose. So if you've come to this youth ministry and you feel like your hope has gotten deferred because you feel like, well, there's no numbers increasing and there's not, I didn't see a fireball fall from heaven and I haven't been seeing angels singing in a really long time. I'm just really discouraged because I just, you know, we're supposed to see the supernatural and all these things. You know, I think God's a jealous God and he's really jealous that you're looking for things rather than Jesus. And, you know, he won't give us things. There's people all over this world that are praying for things like diamonds falling from the sky and things like that happen. And it's really sad that they've considered that more important than just being with Jesus Christ. Because they'll get to heaven one day, and they'll go, Where, where's, where's the diamonds? Where's my degree? Where's his tooth? <laughs> I was, I'm going to be honest real quick. I was talking to somebody today, Andrew, actually today, and Andrew and I were selling somebody a... Uh, uh, sell, we're selling somebody a, uh, an arcade game. So we're, just so you know, oh, what's wrong with my son? He was, he was trying to come to me. I'm sorry, Satan. He thinks I rejected him. Jeez. <clears throat> Love you, bro. I'll, I'll be there in a little bit. Andrew and I and Reed were selling an arcade game. Paid 400 bucks toward camp. Say praise God. Because we're going to build an awesome waterfront this year. I'm excited about it. But anyway, um, and we're, selling, we're talking about people that smoke cigarettes. Say smoke cigarettes. And, and not that we were judging them. We were just thinking how we're sad for them and how it's an addiction. If people are addicted to cigarettes, it's an addiction. But then we're talking about how well, we all have our addictions. And Andrew mentioned that you know, we have our addictions and not to judge people that have an addiction that we, we, that we deem worse than somebody else's addiction. And I was like, my, instantly I was like, I know what my addiction is. This is my addiction is, is this. And I realized, I was walking through the church earlier today as I was thinking about my addiction. And I was, I was thinking how, I just feel like one day I'm going to get to heaven, I'm going to reach for my phone. <laughs> oh, suck. You know. And I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, but I'm, I'm actually being pretty serious. That, and some of you might say, you're just radical and really extreme. God doesn't care. I disagree. I'm not saying my phone's the devil. I'm saying I have this sinful nature inside of me and I'm looking for a thing. I'm looking for something to meet my soul. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I'll meet your every need. I'll meet your every demand. Just come and be with me. And we worship. We should worship because he's given us everything. And everything is in Jesus. And I could talk about this on and on, but I think you get the heart of what I'm saying. So would you stand with me? We're going to worship. I didn't ask the worship band to come. I'm sorry. I should have given you more time, but no worries. We can worship without. How many are thankful for our worship team? Aren't they just so awesome? Seth and Elena and the team and the sound. Get up for the sound, guys. Mike and, and Tom back there and Teresa running the lights. And it's all so that we can come together and love Jesus. And I'm thankful for music, you know, because I don't want to hear myself sing sometimes. Man. <laughs> Dang, bro. Jeez, that's low. That's low. Say community. Say community. Community. Say two. Say two. See if you're there. Say two communities. Okay, listen to me real quick. Please listen to me real quick. I got to make a quick announcement as we're transitioning. Quick announcement. I, there are uh, two communities that we're trying to, say trying to, trying to build by the grace of God. Two communities. One for a college community. Say college. Come on, say College. One for a college-age community, and then, and then one for a junior high, high school community. Say junior high, high school. Now listen, this does not mean that if you're in college that you have to build in a college-age community. And this does not mean that if you're in junior high and high school, uh, I'll just say it this way. This does not mean that if you're in the college-age group that you cannot build in the junior high, high school group. Does that make sense? Come on, somebody. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make a quick announcement. Does that make sense? So what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is ask the Lord... Ask the Lord, be praying about this. If you feel like you're supposed to build in a college-age group. Now, if you're not in college-age yet, then you are completely uh, not invited. But if you are, if you are, so if you're a junior high high school, 
this is the place we want for you to build. But if you feel like God is, is leading you to build in a college-age community, if you would, after the service, stay at like 9, 9, uh, 9.15 maybe, if you could stay that long. Um, I have something that I want to invite you to next week. So if you could stay for 15 minutes uh, from now, and I'll, I'll to, I'll, I want to give you something. We're going to invite you to something for next week. We're going to get together and worship God together for a college-age group. Does that sound good? That's not good. Only if you feel like you're supposed to build in that college age group. The rest of us are going to build in this community because we're building a community of love here, right? And if you've already found life here, I'm not asking you to go anywhere. Just stay here and build relationships with one another here. Does that sound good? I'm going to read this thing as we close tonight. Jesus says, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them, and I will reveal myself to each of them. Listen to me. You might be thinking, okay, Gabriel, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I get it. But he's gone. You hear what I'm saying? I get it, but like Peter... And James and John, the other disciples, I'm realizing he's not even here in a person. I understand that the Spirit is here with me. But I really, really, really want to experience the Son of God and the Father. And I want to be in a relationship with them. And what this passage tells us, Jesus tells us, if you make a conscious decision to love him, listen, not based off of a feeling, based off of a decision, Jesus will reveal himself to you. Somebody get excited about that because, you know, that's crazy. Jesus is telling us, I know you may not really feel like it. I know you may feel tired, and I know your flesh just really doesn't want to. But if you make a conscious decision to love me and to praise me and adore me and seek me, I will draw near to you and I will reveal myself to you. And I just really want you to love me because I really want to reveal myself. But I can't do it if you don't choose to draw near to me. I already love you, he says. He already loves you and he's pursuing you, but he wants to reveal himself as you pursue him back. You hear what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying? What I'm saying is don't wait for a feeling tonight. All of us either have a feeling to worship Jesus or don't have a feeling to worship Jesus. And I'm saying all of us are under the same category. We are called to love Jesus. Why? Because he so loves us and he wants to know us. So let's love on Jesus some more.